you need like a dead man switch or something like that where it's like okay if i don't press this button the tweets won't go out <laughs> yes but if i press this button everything will proceed normally uh hello and welcome to montreal sauce a show that doesn't talk about cooking and isn't recorded in montreal <laughs> Hi, I'm a white privileged male. My name is Chris, and my dreamy blue-eyed co-host is Paul. Hello. <laughs> uh, tonight's guest has been a teacher, actor, and scriptwriter. Currently, he describes himself as a mental health worker and a Red Sox fan. He's an active volunteer at the Y. <laughs> you know, those two really feel like they go together well. <laughs> mental health professional and a Red Sox fan. Not even like, okay, yeah, go on. Sorry. Uh, I'll let you continue with the intro. He's an active volunteer at the Y. Do I need to do it in a Boston accent now? Um, and he's consistently involved in civil and human rights causes. On top of all that, this guy somehow finds time to do two podcasts. Um, the first is a hockey podcast called Your Team Sucks that he does with uh, two friends. And the second is the Amazing Modern Manhood podcast. I can't believe he agreed to come chat with us after I insulted him the last time I was trying to compliment his oh, show. Boy. So <laughs> It's all good. Beautiful place of love, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Please welcome Herman Viljegas. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the, the Paul, the first time I saw him at the podcast meetup, I was just like, oh, man, I really love your show. And he's like, oh, well, why do you love it? And I was like, oh, I just love the subject matter. I think it's really cool. I mean, I love it so much that I, like, want to produce it. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. I was like, no, because, like, sometimes your audio is bad and I just want to make it better. <laughs> he was like, thanks for your honesty. Uh-huh. I, I appreciate that because it, it is sometimes where – like people are really nice to me and just like, oh, yeah, I really like it. I really like it. It's like, like, but just tell me really. Like is there some – there's sometimes you record and you're like, ah, that wasn't my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then that's – you know, that kind of falls in like the discussion of manhood and friendships, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the fact like that you can be honest with someone and not just like blow smoke up their ass, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And I think that's something that's um, super important where people can be – a little bit more real, a little bit more honest, and yeah, I don't know. I think guys can are, are they they wear this facade sometimes, and uh, that's what I try to do with the podcast is try to make sure that pe people to like release that little bit of a mask and just like, just tell me tell me the real you. Like what what's up with that? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Let's not let this come to fisticuffs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it does, but I mean, like that's sure. not that's not the. You know, that that also comes with a place of like something else. And I think people just need to like figure that out, too. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just all relationships in general. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like even my my wife the other day said, like, you know, there's a uh, there's a Easter event coming up with her family and it's uh, in Calgary. And I'm just like, oh, OK, the, you know, three and a half, four hour drive and see family and. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you know what? You don't have to go. And then like immediately, like the man who has watched so many movies and TV shows and been in relationships before says like, is this like her saying that because she's being nice or is this like an honest heartfelt, you know, you don't have to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have a relationship where it was really heartfelt and it wasn't this gamification of a yeah. relationship. Yeah. 
But it is, you know, it just happens in all relationships. We just kind of stick to those facades. Totally. And I and it's it's really funny you say it and you call it a gamification because it is true. Like, I mean, like there's a very popular book out there called The Game. And a lot of things come out of that. That is they're just tips and tricks. And they're just like you're not being your real self. Um, It's interesting because one of the books that really changed my life and it was around the time where I was um, kind of searching for myself and trying to be a little bit more like, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. I was single during that time and I was like just trying to learn more about myself. So I found this book called Models and it was by a guy named Mark Manson. Um, And he really taught me, he actually, I read it and I was like, it was more about like, oh, how to, it came off to be like, well, how do you pick up women type thing? But it wasn't. At the end of it, it was just like this like M. Night Shyamalan thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to flip the script on you. (laughs) Because really all it was, it was just learning about how to be vulnerable and learning about how to be like um, real. And and not to play games. And said, if you don't, if you assume that everything is not a game, then no one will play games on you. So immediately, when somebody if somebody goes to you like and plays hard to get, well, just play like that. Like, oh, this person's not interested. Now I'm just gonna go away. And no one would immediate. No one would play games with you. And I and I took that to heart. And from all of that, actually, I really I really have to thank him because. From that conversation that I had with myself came all this stuff about like, well, how do I be vulnerable? Well, why are you guys not vulnerable? Why do we need to have these kind of conversations? And then I started working at the Y and then I started talking to kids about it. And I was like, you know, this is, well, there's a lack of vulnerability within males as well. And then it this kind of just snowballed into this big, big thing of, of me trying to figure out this part of vulnerability and also trying to help guys to be vulnerable as well. So yeah, it's really interesting that you call it like this this gamification because like relationships sometimes people feel that it's a gamification, but it's it's not really. You don't have to play that game. You just got to be real with each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, and you slip into it so totally. easily, right? Because totally. you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark Manson, like that's the blogger, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then yeah, because I. It's funny that you. It's weird. It's one of those weird coincidences, right? Like, I just started reading his latest book, the subtle subtle art of not giving a. F-. Yeah. So <laughs> how are you finding? It? I haven't read it yet. Um, I I like it. I mm-hmm. like what he has to say. It's similar lines to what he's mm-hmm. written already. It sounds like, but um, yeah, I I really like it. Like his basically the conceit so far is just like, um, problems are how we grow, which makes sense. But uh, so he's like these people that sort of walk around all day and they seem so positive. He's like, it's like a facade, like you're Mm -hmm. saying. And he's like, so if you can face your problems, like, yeah, it's going to hurt a lot, but it hurts because now you're growing and you're becoming a better person and you learn from your mistakes and that kind of thing. So if you just walk around in a daze just saying everything is great, like... He's like, that's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree so. with that totally. I need to back up on this because there, you you mentioned something on the on your intro, and I was like, oh, I have to correct you on some stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm not an actor, first of all. <laughs> I I don't volunteer the Y. I used to work at the YMCA. That was my old job. I now work for um, Strathcona County and over by Short Park. Um, 
I'm not a Red Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> I only wear a Red Sox hat because you see me in a lot of pictures of Red Sox hats because I went to Fenway Park one time and I bought a really cheap hat. And um, and I was there with my dad and I was like, OK, this is a cool hat. It fits really well. And they're like, I remember one time I got like made fun of that hat and I was like, I don't really care for the Red Sox a whole lot. But people really, really were upset that I was wearing this hat. (laughs) Sometimes that can be the best reason to wear it. Yeah. Just to get a little reaction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, means you're a uh, you're a Red Sox fan the way that I'm a Mets fan. Like (laughs) I, I don't really you know, I don't really have an affinity for the Mets at all. But I really dislike the Yankees. So when I go to New York City, I get a Mets cap. Yeah. So it's just like you <laughs> piss people off and then you're like, and you start a conversation. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, it's weird when you go to like, I used to live in England too for about a year and they're very big on soccer, obviously there. And so <laughs> it's like the second question you get when you meet somebody in England is like, first of all, it's like, hey, how's it going? Second of all, is what team do you support? <laughs> so you have to like right, figure right. out what team do you have to, and it's dangerous sometimes. You go into the wrong neighborhood, you say the wrong team, and yeah, it could be, right. could be bad, bad times. <laughs> uh, you don't have to tell me. I live in Canada. I love hockey. <laughs> I love the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, no, I, I I pinched all of that off of your LinkedIn page. So it oh. says you volunteered at the YWCA. Like one yes, I did tickets. a couple of stints at the YWs, um, mm-hmm. but that's I, true. And I realized like the the script writing and the acting thing was like a, a contract deal for a couple months. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never an actor. Well, sort of an actor. See? I was, See? I was actually no. You know what? You're right. You're right about that. I was an actor. If you ever worked for the cash store, financial, I did some acting uh, for a training for some training videos. So if you ever worked there, you might see my face in some training videos. I don't know if they've awesome. Ever, yeah, <laughs> that's my acting career. <laughs> I think we. Uh... I think when we did a couple of like how to use like iPad apps that we actually used your hands, didn't we, Paul? Like you ran through the app. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hand <laughs> model. So yeah. therefore you're an actor as well. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. It put it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> and then I listened to, you know, I was doing re- deep research. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be correcting the guest about his own bio, but uh, Ooh, I was doing okay. deep research and I listened to the awesome hour with you. Oh, and, yeah. And you yep. did tell those guys you were a Red Sox fan because you were wearing the hat. That I was day, wearing right? the hat. So. I was really just, I would, to be honest, I was just fronting. <laughs> oh, sure. sure. <laughs> that, that was the podcast to front on. You said that so well and I said it so white. Fronting. You were fronting, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning as well to my slang. <laughs> so, um, so uh, my questions uh, that I had are: Did you grow up in this area, like in Edmonton? Yeah, I didn't. I, well, sorry, I was born in Chile, and that I was. Um, I'm an immigrant. I came to Canada when I was seven years old, um, and I didn't really learn any English. I really grew up in. I grew up in the woods. Um, that was my area. <laughs> where I mostly spend most of my time. Um, but I am an Edmonton raised person. I guess you could say that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Millwoods is uh, an interesting place. Uh, Paul, have you like Paul? You know, like ET or any movie that features like California, they have these sure. like deep, yeah. deep, deep suburbs where the kids mm-hmm. are trick or treating in ET in ET yeah. and. Um, yep. And Kalamazoo has some areas like that where you like enter a subdivision and like it just goes on and on. And, right. <laughs> and right. Mill Woods is like that, but it's it's just kind of like it seems like from people I know, like because my wife used to work at the school there. Hmm. It, it seems like one of those places like California where it's this huge subdivision and it has like two or three entrances so it's really hard to get out of once you're in there you're like how do i get out of here <laughs> yeah there's there's one street that's legitimately just a circle and if you're stuck in that circle like oof, could be bad news for you um is millwoods is a very interesting area just oh, because yeah. they got uh, it got a ridiculous reputation and i was around that time when i got a ridiculous reputation it was millhood that was the the official nickname for millwoods um, I used to go to a school where um, somebody got shot at the school and it was a gang thing. So it wasn't really like a school thing, but it was definitely because it happened at the school. It, nobody got labeled as like, mm-hmm. oh, these are yeah. the gangsters that go to the school. So I got labeled as a gangster because I went to that school, even though if you met me, I'm like zero percent gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one percent, but that's about it. I'm like just pushing it. He's fronting again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Willwoods is definitely interesting, um, especially in the foreign in the part where I I met a lot of different people and I met um, a lot of immigrants like myself or first generation people. So I got to meet. I got a very um, direct introduction of what like multiculturalism is in Canada. Um, just because I was, I was friends with people who were Sikh or who were uh, from Sri Lanka or who were from um, Pakistan or wherever, and or from Asia or from Japan, China, wherever, and I got a lot to learn a lot of different cultures, and it was it was cool. It was really cool. I still i I look fondly upon my Millwoods days. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's uh, someone in the chat room. They were at wondering if you were in from Red Deer. Nice. From Red Deer? <laughs> no, not from Red Deer. I Do I have a Red Deer accent? I might have a Red Deer accent. <laughs> no, not from Red Deer. <laughs> and so, Chili, do you, uh, and you said, yeah, you learned English here. Mm-hmm. So, speak Spanish at home, right? Yeah, yeah. Yo hablo español. Yeah. I do speak it with my, my parents. I am trying to be better at that just because i i feel like i'm losing a little bit of spanish um so i try to speak as much spanish as i can and i'm trying to like read some books in spanish now to like keep back my spanish but um sometimes it's a struggle (laughs) yeah can you uh write in spanish as well or no uh i can it just it would take me a while yeah (laughs) i'm not i'm not rewriting like essays or dissertations or anything like that right yeah my friend my best friend uh in high school and stuff he was uh first generation vietnamese and Mm. so he he learned english like somewhat in school but he always says from tv watching and then um but yeah so they speak vietnamese at the house and it was always fun going over there and like they're talking about me like you know being Mm. insecure or like but then also like you know they would like leave him a note and he's like i they, i can't read you know i barely can read vietnamese and i can't write it at all and mm-hmm. i was like wow that's great it's weird that he's like you know you're so fluent in a language and it's harder to write you know it is and it's it, it is interesting and i 
I try to keep my Spanish as best as I can, but if it is, it's hard. Like when you're not living in a place that doesn't speak Spanish, I, I, it's, uh, it's difficult. And then sometimes when I was a kid, and this is definitely me being a little bit more vulnerable, um, where I shied away from my, for being Latino or being, um, from Chile, just because I was, I wouldn't say ashamed, but I was definitely trying to like find out different ways of how to be uh, Canadian. Um, so I, kind of push back on the Chilean community a bit. Um, but now I'm, I'm more embracing my Chilean side. And I like, I, I, I definitely identify being a Chilean a lot uh, in my older years, if I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, some of that is understandable. Like as a kid, you, you kind of more want to fit in with the larger crowd. <laughs> you, do, yeah. you don't want to be a standout in that, in that sense. Um, yeah, Totally. Yeah, and I think when we had uh, Marty Chan on, like, he was really interesting, too, because I think he was saying, like, he couldn't fit in with the, you know, the Asian culture because he was, I believe, like, he was born here. So they were like, you're not, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. one of us. Like, Mm -hmm. and he didn't fit in with the white kids at school because, like, he looked Asian. So Mm -hmm. he said he had a really tough time. And he said they used to call him like terrible things like banana, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. I've heard that for it's mm. that's, it's tough. It's tough being um, first generation or being an immigrant in that when trying to find your, trying to find your tribe. And I, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of um, my job in ball is talking to a lot of parents about their teenage son or daughter. Um, we'll see about their sons, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but at most times, like a lot of, a lot of parents are concerned about like, what the kids are doing in regards to um, playing video games or doing this, or like they're not participating in the quote unquote normal um, activities. And I just say to them, I'm like, they're just trying to find their tribe. They're just trying to find who they're most comfortable with. They're trying to find their, like what I like to call islands of confidence. Like they're trying to find their Island where they can feel confident in. Um, And that was it for me when I was a kid, I did not feel confident being part of the, Chilean community because I, I didn't identify with that yet. But now I feel a lot more confident in trying to say that this is this is was is a big part of who I am um, is being Chilean. So it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm having a lot of conversations about like being Chilean. I was just is recently invited to be in another podcast to talk about my Chilean identity. And I was uh, it, it brought back a lot of uh, interesting thoughts that I haven't thought about in a long time. So it's cool talking about this, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and so you you have like, uh, I, yeah, I was stalking you on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and you, you have yeah, a, LinkedIn. This is an interesting <laughs> social media that you stalk me on. <laughs> yeah. I got to I got to produce these long bios uh, somewhere. Uh, yeah, but they um, uh, you have an education degree. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So and you taught for a while. I did. Wow. I taught in England for a year, and that's where I was. We're talking about living in London. Um, I taught in Northampton, England, for I taught a year teaching math. Man, that was that was wild. That's the the wildest thing I've ever encountered. It was amazing. It like you ever had one of those things in your life where you're like this. You know that this is like a, a chapter in your life. Like it's a bookend in your life. Like after, like. I could legitimately say this was my life before England and this is my life after England. <laughs> that year in England legitimately changed my life. Um, good and bad ways. It was, it was, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. Another 
crazy um yeah stalking you i've learned so much about you but it's weird i've been having these conversations about you before the show with my spouse who you mm-hmm. met tonight mm-hmm. because she went to the same high school as you oh no way she also has an education degree and she also went over to the uk and taught for Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like that is, isn't this crazy so does that mean like we're gonna get married is that like yeah, yeah, is that I, what you're trying to say yeah yeah <laughs> I only invite people on the show to get married to me. <laughs> Welcome to the Mormon Montreal sauce. Oh, no. I have many spouses. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. That's 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 amazing. Actually, that's that. What a small world. I'm yeah. I'm curious now. Just want to talk to your fiance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah. And so yeah, she has lots of stories about teaching over there, and it's just like. Yeah, it sounds crazy that, that how different their school system is. And it's like, oh, is it gym time? Everyone change into your gym clothes. And kids are just changing in the classroom. And, oh, you know, yeah. like, wow, this is crazy. It's, like, ins- it's absolutely ridiculous. I I had one parent was out to get me when, because he, uh, this person knew that I, that, I, that I didn't teach in, like, the British educational systems. And she thought his, his son was, like, the best. He was not. He was, like... To me, it was like average kid. Um, but he's like, why is he not getting this great? Or why is he not getting this? It's like, well, your son is just, he's not that good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> so this person was out to get me. But I definitely had, it was weird for me because it was my first teaching degree. I mean, sorry, my first teaching job. So I, I was this green kid trying to discipline these um these boys that I was teaching high school at the time who are legitimately like five years younger than I was. So, um, I had to, I didn't get as, I I wasn't as disciplined as I wanted to be. Um, and I should have, I should have like, that was, that's a, that's like one of the main teaching uh, rules is to Mm -hmm. like tighten the reins first and then let go slowly. Um, I didn't get, I didn't do that. And that I punt, I like, I hurt myself. And there was some times where I sat, in the front of the of this of the classroom and while their kids are going wild and I just like crossed my arms and I'm just like I hope no one dies here <laughs> and that's all I was doing it was just making sure that no one dies and at the end of the class like oh you're done okay everyone leave that was math class <laughs> uh, yeah it was <laughs> math classes I started with 10 students I ended with 10 students yeah we didn't exactly learn any it. subtraction today that was good. <laughs> no one got stabbed. Good. We're, yeah. That was a good day. It's a good day today. <laughs> yeah, I, I went up to my supervisor and I had this this crazy class, and my supervisor was like, "Yeah, you know, like there's not a whole lot you can do with these kids, so just make sure that they're they're good. They're just like sitting there. If you get them to do any work, you're golden, man. But like, don't be." I don't think you will. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is great. This is great first teaching job. Thank you. <laughs> don't be a hero, man. Just get out of there alive. All right. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's that's fun. Yeah. 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 My my spouse is a elementary uh, teacher, so. I remember the first time I volunteered in her class after we got married and I moved here. I'd never met that woman before 
yeah. the teacher, right? Because that's yeah. like you said, like you have to be, you know, you have to be heavy handed, at least in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I'd never heard like teacher voice either. Like she said, OK, everyone, we have a guest in the classroom. We need everyone to sit down and be quiet. And I wanted to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> like I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this person? I am scared right now. <laughs> and then. And then when the kids were just sort of like running around, she was like, "Okay, everyone. And she grabbed this thing off the chalkboard and it was a rain stick. And she's like, you have until the end of the rain stick to get to your seat and be quiet. And all of a sudden, all the kids looked up, I swear, at once like it was a dance routine and scrambled for their desks and sat down. And when she got home that night, I was like. So what did you do to them when they didn't get there? <laughs> it's like, never know. They were scared. What happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, when I was doing my student teaching, I did it in a junior high school, um, which is cool because I work in junior high, some junior high schools right now. So it's nice to go back to those days. But um, I remember my my mentor teacher had this – routine and he would all he did was just sit in the front of the, the classroom and just started counting down just went like 10 9 no one knew what happened at the end of one but people were scared they're just scrambling to their oh my god oh my god it's like, you can't get to one like there's no no it's gonna get to one <laughs> he never like said what was gonna happen he just started counting down and everyone was just scared <laughs> teacher tricks yeah there you go yeah. some like life lessons there life lessons yeah yeah teacher tricks it's <laughs> It's the same in Hollywood, right? Like those scary movies are the ones where you don't see like the monster until mm-hmm. the end of the film. If they show you in the beginning, you're like, oh, there he is again. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So um, so tell us, tell uh, our listeners, tell my mom. I see my mom's in the chat room. Tell, oh, hi, mom. <laughs> tell my mom uh, and the listeners. Your awesome. <laughs> tell them about uh, the Modern Manhood podcast. Oh, it's I... Every time I talk to Modern Manhood pod, talk about the Modern Manhood podcast, I I call it my baby. This is the it's it's a podcast about masculinity and it's a podcast about um, trying to get men to talk about uh, their own vulnerabilities and to show people what it is like to be a vulnerable man um, and trying to understand the different ways of what masculinity is all about. Um, the reason I started it was because I found that there was kind of a, a gap <clears throat> in this kind of conversation that we never really got to like as, as men, we always get kind of, especially when we talk about gender, especially when we talk about feminism, we kind of just get told like, Hey, don't do this or don't be, don't be violent or don't do this thing and don't do this thing. So never really understand what kind of what masculinity is all about, especially in like I started recording in 2016 but even in the modern age, like what that actually means to be a man, because um, we don't live in the 60s anymore. We don't live in the 70s. And that was a different era of how to be a man. And, you know, we're stuck onto these like very um, old world male stereotypes, like be stoic or, um, you know, you got to be the provider or you got to you can't cry or do those things. But right now, like <clears throat> there's so many different types of guys around that. I wanted to showcase that and I wanted to showcase um, a conversation about manhood and about what it is um, living in those shoes and trying to be vulnerable um, in specifically around mental health and specifically around addiction and specifically around um, struggles that some guys go through that don't really talk about these things. 
So I wanted to showcase that and also hopefully start a conversation around um, those specific topics and maybe get some guys to ask these questions and to ask these kind of questions as to like what it is to be a father, what it is to be an uncle, what it is to be a good friend, what it is to be um, the best man. Um, yeah. So that was, that's the idea for the podcast. And so far so good. I, I, I really, I love doing it. It's, it's my, one of my favorite things to do for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you started, I, I think I heard you say you also started the show because you were feeling like you needed more male mm-hmm. friendships. For sure. That yeah. was, you know, when I was talking to you just earlier about like, like, um, uh, like models from Mark Manson. And that was the time in my life where I, I actually it happened before I was dating somebody and, uh, um, I was into a point where I was like, well, I don't know, do I want to marry this person? And when I was thinking about like a marriage or, or whatnot, you start thinking about your best men. You start thinking about the groomsmen, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked around and I looked at like the guys that I had in my life and I was like, I don't know if any of these guys can be my groomsmen. I don't feel like no disrespect to those guys, but at the same time, I didn't feel like I was providing a good enough friendship or they were providing a good enough friendship for me. And I felt kind of alone. Um, and I wanted to have a lot of more communication with other guys, you know, like you make your best male friendships, supposedly you must, you make your best male friendships when you're in school or when you're at work. Um, but outside of that, like if you're not, if you don't have them, then what do, what do guys do, right? It seems like like females and and um, and women are are much better at this than guys are. Um, but I don't know that to be true either. So I don't. I'm like I'm a. Those are just assumptions that I have. Um, but when I looked around, I was like, I don't. I don't really have guys that I can call. Like I could be proud of to call my friend. Um, so then I started doing a lot of research and I started doing a lot of um, you know personal personal inside inner research as well. And that's when I started reading books like models or like, like Iron John. And like, I started reading things like the art of manliness, which is a great blog, but it's very like, it's kind of rudimentary sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I was just like, I was just trying to find a little bit more about myself. And, uh, so that brought me along that journey of trying to better myself. And then when I started learning about bettering myself, I wanted to like give that out to, to other guys and to the community itself. And, uh, once I had more time and, and frankly, a little bit more money, uh, I started the Modern Manhood podcast. And it was just in a meetup one time where I was just thought about it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I, I'm so happy to do it just, it just because this is something that I felt passionate about. And I'm happy this is also part of my job to, to talk about masculinity. Um, so, and it's nice to call it a hobby as well. So I'm, I'm very passionate about it. So, yeah, this is just this is part of my life nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I can, I can totally understand. I think, uh, I mean, this is my almost fifth year here, and I mean, moving from the states, like away from my friends, like Paul. It's been like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been. It's cool that of, you guys do this, by the way. Like that, yeah. you guys still connect in in this way, and like even just having a podcast, and it's like. It, you know, like people don't think about those things either. Just to like how to connect. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Like, no, no, it's, I was just going to say, um, well, you, you did another podcast, uh, as a guest with Andrea Bessa, but, uh, 
I actually, she was doing like this YouTube video thing and I shot her a question because she was answering questions in a costume because she was doing this fun little <laughs> YouTube thing. And, yeah. and someone else had asked the same question and they were like, <clears throat> you know, how do you make friends when you're older? Because we have all these things like built all this stress and all this anxiety built up around being an adult and yeah, totally. adulting and things like that. And I was like, I don't you know, what, what's, what's happened. And her thing was like, you know, when you're kids, it is easy to make friends because you don't have any of that stuff. You're just like, Hey, do you want to play? And the other kid's like, no, you're like, okay. Like, <laughs> and, and she's like, you just have to be like that. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's good advice. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And it's, and I think even when I was in university, like I had I made some good friends in university, but they never became somebody that I, mm-hmm. I wanted to hang with for most often or just it or just friendships just just kind of disappeared. And that's fine. It happens. Um, yeah. It's just the nature of life. But I'm happy now that I have some good guy friends that I call um, that I'm very proud to call my guy friends. And and it's cool because out of this, out of the stuff that I do. They're now interested in being like, hey, can we talk about this one on one? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Let's go. Like I just like I just had one of my friends. Um, we just went out for a coffee. Um, we went to Remedy and he's and he was just talking. We were just talking about meditation because he was into meditation and I wanted to know more about it. And he was just like, yeah, talk to me about meditation. Like, tell me how that is. And he's like and he told me all about his what he went through to go into med to do meditation. And, you know, he talked about his like low part of his life. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is stuff I never knew about you, but I respect you so much for telling me and just to tell me in a very honest and vulnerable way. Um, so I'm so happy I have that right now. And I'm like, I really appreciate the guys that I have in my life. Um, just as much as I appreciate like my fiance who brings me a lot of strength and brings me a lot of power to do this. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it's so cool to see guys like learning, like listening to the podcast or learning of what I do and just say like, Hey, can we like, can we talk about this stuff? Yes, please. Let's talk about this stuff. Yeah. 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 I remember I had a conversation with uh, my friend Brandon and uh, I just, you know, I told him one time I said, you know, one of the things like that I've tried really hard not to do is, um, call up Paul or my guy friends and, and do like the typical male facade, which is to be like <laughs> my wife, you know, <laughs> you know, my, my wife, wife please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to just call him up and be like, well, I don't know if I can do the podcast today. I got to ask the ball and chain. Like, I think like, even though Paul and I have a close enough relationship that he knows that I'm joking, mm-hmm. like that still is like, a mind worm or something like an earworm. Like it's, it's a mind excuse. worm in my head. It's an excuse that you make up in your head to be like, yeah. why can I do these things? Like I'm sure yeah. my love it. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then and it also, and I think it also, you know, puts a wedge between me and her. Like mm-hmm. if I'm just not open and honest with her, like if I have to call Paul and be like, Oh man, we had a fight today and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Tell me your advice. Yeah. Great to sure. get advice from Paul, but the person I should be doing that with is the person that I'm having a problem with. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. and so I think like there's, yeah, I think it's really good to be open and honest with my spouse, but then yeah, to make, to carry those relationships over into friendships is a really good idea. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. It's really cool. Um, as well, when you have that kind of support system and it's, and, you know, I love seeing it in relationships, especially 
any type of romantic relationship uh, you have with somebody, like to have those kind of support structure where people like I'm very lucky <clears throat> with my fiance. She challenges me in ways that I I don't um, even know sometimes like just recently like just like just before I we came I came to this podcast I don't mind saying this um like we were we were in a bit of a discussion we were a bit in a tiff like yesterday and then we resolved it today I I couldn't have done that with other people before and I we I remember holding this block and being this very spiteful person sometimes and with her I am very open and honest to say like, yeah, you know what? I, I misunderstood you. You know, I messed up in that respect, you know, but you said this and I, and I totally misunderstood what you were trying to say. And, and as I was also stressed out and I was also cranky and she understood that. And she's like, yeah, you were, but I still love you. And you were good. But also at the same time, I was happy to like, I'm happy to say that to one of my guy friends. So, yeah, you know, maybe my fiance were, you know, we, we had a fight and we're not in this way. And they're like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, let's, uh, let's talk about that for a bit so we can, and then we can play Dungeons and Dragons. And that's what we do sometimes. So sometimes <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's good to have that open, honest dialogue with other guys. And it's good to have open, honest dialogue with other, with your romantic partner. Um, and that's one of the things that I kept, I kept, hearing over and over when I read these books or when I read these blogs or I read these research and it's like just being open and honest is is key and fundamental for any relationships yeah 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 because uh, I mean what I do is a lot a lot of my issues is like I live inside my head right yeah. and so I'm constantly thinking for other people like oh man like German's not gonna yeah, German it's okay nice <laughs> happens all the time <laughs> Herman's not going to like, uh, like that chair or, you know, I start thinking for you. And then, and so I find myself doing that in my marriage too. And that's like a big no, no, like I have to stop myself from doing right. Cause then I won't be open and honest. Cause I'll always, always think like, this is what she's going to tell me. I might as well not even ask. Like, mm-hmm. and that's a real danger. So, mm-hmm. and it's, and it was <clears throat> good for me to, to try to be honest with the guys that I, that I didn't, I wasn't really like liking that relationship to say like, this is the stuff that I don't like about this relationship. Um, you know, like, like I had to call guys out on like, if they said something that was homophobic or that I said something that was racist or said something that was sexist or misogynist. And I had to say that sometimes. And sometimes some guys don't like it. Like they don't like being called out. It's totally fine. Like I understand when anybody gets right. called out, it's right. kind of, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to be in, but that's, I think that's my responsibility not only as a guy uh, to protect and also like um, challenge those kind of stereotypes, but also as part of my relationship with that guy, knowing that this is part of my boundaries. This is my boundary ethically to say that I don't I, I don't accept misogyny and sexism and racism and whatnot. So I don't accept this in our relationship. And I think that's an open and honest thing to say. And if they don't accept that, then we move on. And there's no harm, no foul, but at least I'm telling you what I'm, what I'm feeling. And some guys don't end up doing it and they just start playing, like you said, like they play a game. Mm-hmm. They, it's, it's a game to them, right? So ah, whatever, it's just this guy. That's just the way he is. Steve right. always does Steve or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that brings up something that I was going to ask you about um, uh, my uh, Barbara Walters question. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Go for I, it. I I enjoy like humor. I enjoy making jokes and 
That's a tough one for me because language is so important. Mm -hmm. And so I've been running against that. Like, um, you know, 10 years ago, I might have like been joking and Mm -hmm. Paul knew it, but I might be said like, stop being gay. Right. Right. And I don't do that anymore. Like I've eradicated that from my vocabulary and I'm very happy. And I, I call people out when they do it Mm -hmm. and it's a lot less often than it was. But then I'm starting to find more things, right? Like it sure is funny if I like say something like, you know, um, uh, sorry, we were late today, like with the podcast starting because Paul was being a little bitch. Like that's really funny. But the real connotation, again, behind that word is derogatory to women. And so I'm like now telling myself, like, I can't use that word, but I don't know where that line is. Like, I guess I just you just have to know your audience. I don't know. Like, where's the line? Because like... Uh You know, one of the things I respect, I don't necessarily watch it all the time, but I love South Park because everything is fair game, right? They're not making jokes about terrorists and then like doing shows like where like being gay is okay. Like they just make fun of everyone, yeah, it's right? It's very satirical, right? Yeah, it's right. satirical. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess, like I said, uh, my only thing is like to know my audience, like, oh, I can say this to Herman because he told me that he's cool with this. Mm-hmm. But I, and that's, you know what, you bring up a really great point as to how, um, how people approach these kind of, these kind of, uh, these questions about language. Cause I think it is a definitely hot topic right now. And it's definitely something that's like, and it also become it's becoming a little political, which is I'm kind of like whatever. It's mm-hmm. I don't like it either. I don't like that part of it. Um, I'm a big form of free speech, but I'm also a big form of being more so than free speech, being empathetic and being compassionate. And I think where things are not empathetic and not compassionate is where I kind of draw the line. I accept things like South Park because I know that they're doing it is a very satirical level, and I know that they're. What they're doing is trying to subvert the message or subvert ways in which we think, but in a very comedic fashion. Yeah. Just which is fine. Right. There's a, yeah. There's always characters on South Park who might call other characters gay, but that is almost always attributed to a character who like you would not aspire to be them. People don't aspire to be Eric Cartman. Right. Mm, correct. Um, and so y- you are attributing those things with characters who themselves are, you know, obviously over the top fictional characters. Um, And it's the collective non-reaction of the other characters of the show that kind of tell you that's where the real joke is. It's not the fact that Eric is going around calling people gay. Although that's, you know, initially what you laugh at is ha ha ha. He's being an asshole. But mm-hmm. then you're kind of like, oh, he's being an asshole and everybody's letting him be the asshole. And that yeah. is part of the joke. But exactly. the satire. Exactly. Exactly. Like that. Like they're coming in a way to say, like, this is the actual funny part is that Eric Cartman is a is a jerk um, and an asshole when. Sorry, can I curse here? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, when when he's doing that and people are turning away from him or saying like you know like you Eric you're being a jerk, um, but when people do it just to, I say I don't like provoca- I don't like people who just do it just to case like a shock factor, like, right? Like there was a big thing about um, what's his face Milo something, Munopolis, um, and yeah. he yeah. from Breitbart, um, mm-hmm. and then he had this problem where 
like he was he's just a shock artist like like he's trying to say like this is something that's free speech or whatever but at the same time like you're not adding anything to the discussion you're not adding anything into the to the message of the conversation so mm-hmm. why are you saying these kind of things um and I find that a lot sometimes where people are just doing it for shock value and they're not doing it to add a conversation. Hmm, sure. When I when I talk to kids in junior high, and you know how kids in junior high is, they'll they'll swear like a sailor sometimes. Um and some and they're censored, they censor themselves at school. Um but when we're talking, for instance, I do a lot of presentations or do a lot of talk to them about um, you know, sexual health, or talk to them about consent, or talk to them about um, mental health, and sometimes those topics are pretty mature. So I allow them to swear, and I say, if you're gonna swear, if you're gonna tell me a swear word, just do it. Just don't swear at me, and don't swear at someone else. But if you're gonna, if this is going, what's gonna get the message across, then do it. Like if you're gonna say the word bitch, but you're doing it in an educational way then say it like, don't be afraid to say that. And also when other guys call each other out, I think there really needs to be a work around empathy and compassion. And I think there's a lot of people that work in the, um, I don't want to call anybody out, but like work in the social justice movement that don't do it with empathy and compassion. And I think that's where they drop the ball. Um, <clears throat> they'll call somebody out and they won't understand the ramifications of calling that, that person out. I don't like calling people out. I like calling them in. That's that's my motto mm-hmm. that I came in. Hey, you said something wrong or you said something that maybe crossed my boundaries. I might correct you, but I'm going to do it in a very empathetic way to make sure that it's OK that you did that just as long as you don't do it again. Like, And this is why I'm telling you. But at the same time, we can still be friends. I'm, I don't think anything bad of you. I know this is coming from somewhere else. But let's learn from this instead of, hey, you said this thing, I'm going to drop our friendship or I'm going to swear at you and say you're being a sexist jerk and then I'm going to drop you. That's I think that's a big difference between that style of communication. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you react in anger, then you're just going to get the typical uh, uh there I go, typical, but you're going to get that male bully response. Yeah. Like, you know, that's all you can say typical. Get. I think yeah. that's like, I think that's a very typical thing. Yeah. 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 So if you call someone out, they're going to be like, you know, just then saying it more, like to try to offend you more because they don't want to go in. <laughs> they don't want to go in and think about the hard stuff. Yeah, totally. And language is very important. And I think, but people don't understand that there is a person behind that, that language. And I think we need to take care of that person as well. Um, and I think some people drop the ball in that, in that respect. And then they go somewhere else. And like, like the worst thing I want is for guys to go into like an MRA circle because someone called them out and someone said, Oh, this person's being a jerk. So I'm not going to go over there. So, and then they're going to go to somewhere where they're going to accept them. And it's not going to be the, it's not going to be a good place. So I rather, I rather bring them in and say, Listen, buddy, we're we're gonna work this out together. I'm still gonna be your friend. We're still gonna talk. We're still gonna be buddies, but we're gonna work on this. We're gonna work on this. Just like, and I'm gonna show you what my boundaries are, and we'll work on this together. Right. Yeah. yeah. Paul, stop teasing me about my hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was easy. You're right. Yeah. I'm I'm going salt and pepper too, buddy. It's all right. <laughs> oh, I'm beyond salt and pepper. I think man. the gray ghost. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> the kids are worried about my hair. 
<laughs> Welcome to Manscaping with yeah. Herman, Paul, and Chris. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, so I use a rake to do my back hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Um, yeah. So, so what do you think? I mean, I guess that's the quest kind of that you're on, but what is healthy masculinity then? It's a, that's a great question. I, I, I take this, um, excuse me, let me back up. There's a researcher named Joseph Gelfer and he does a lot of work around masculinity and does a lot of work around, um, manhood. Um, and he says that masculinity comes in stages. So stage one is unconscious masculinity. So that means that there is, that we do things without even being conscious that it's called masculinity. Um, for example, we'll just, you know, we, we provide the, you know, we, we're, we're the ones who provide the income in the household, but we don't know that's like, that's like a form of masculinity. We just do it because we feel that as a man, that's what we have to do. Um, <clears throat> stage two is conscious masculinity. So then stuff when we realize that this is actually um, a masculine thing that we do, uh, when we're conscious of it, but either we justify it as, yeah, this is biology. This is just the way things are, blah, 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 blah. Or that's kind of a naturalist movement. Or you say that this is um, part of the men's right advocates. This is where they fall in, um, where they say that this is something that we, you know, as guys, we have a right to these kind of stereotypes because they are part of who we are. So that's stage two. Stage three is, um, kind of, I don't know what, what the name is of it, but um, a lot of feminist theories come to this is basically the opposite of toxic masculinity. So you've heard the term toxic masculinity, correct? Yeah. Um, it's in the news a lot sometimes. And so this is the, um, when guys are violent or guys are uh, misogynistic or sexist and people are always say, don't do this there, don't be toxic. So we worry a lot about the toxic masculinity and it's a lot of it. It has to do with, um, with a lot of feminist theory, a lot of feminist, um, writing and discourse. So this is where I feel a lot of people think that healthy masculinity is, which is the opposite of toxic masculinity. So when people think of healthy masculinity, that's what they think most of the time. Um, I'm making an assumption here, but <laughs> mm -hmm. that's what I feel that a lot of people, when they, Talk about healthy masculinity to say this is just the opposite. Try to be different than every other guy. Like, you know, if someone, if, a, if an actor wears a dress or something like right. that or whatever, that's like, okay, that's, that's healthy masculinity because it's the opposite of the stereotype. of. So that's stage three. Stage four is what you call multiple masculinities. And that says, and that has involved a lot of queer theory, um, which says that masculinity is a way where guys are in many different ways. And that's what I, this is the stage that I like to play in. Um, this is why I do the Modern Manhood podcast, because I want to show that manhood is not, there's not one definition of manhood. There's many, almost infinite definitions of manhood. And I wanted to showcase that a lot of guys go about their ways of being a man in different ways. Um, and you know that like intrinsically, like you, you know that a man in Canada is different from a man in Asia, in Japan. You know that a man from Japan is different from a man in India, Africa, South America, but anywhere. And everyone has different definitions of what 
manhood is, but we don't really talk about that. So that's multiple masculinities. Stage five, <clears throat> basically saying that there is no masculinity. So this is very logical, very kind of a Buddhist way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there is, so we, the logical question is, if there is an infinite amount of masculinities, is there such a thing as masculinity? That's stage five. Now, am I naive to say that this, that's how society is right now? Obviously not. We're not there yet. That's a very post-gender way of thinking about masculinities. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of stuck between stage three and stage four. Um, it's really cool if you go to like his website because you can actually take like a little survey and it'll tell you what stage you are as a, as a thinking about masculinities. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Something to masculinityresearch.com if I'm not mistaken. Um, but check it out because it's really, it's really interesting to think about it that way. And that's the way I kind of approach um, the way the podcast is and the way I approach uh, talking about masculinities. So, yeah, that's in a big, long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> path <laughs> to answer your question. That's I, I don't I don't know if there's such a thing as healthy masculinity. I do believe that like myself, like you, Paul and me, we're we're guys in different ways. But we just have to accept that, that that each one of us are guys. And that's the plan. As long as you're not breaking anybody's like ethics or boundaries and you're not being um, toxic in some way, then you can be a guy whoever you want to be. And that includes people like John Wayne. That includes people that are stoic and right. can be cowboys and be whatever. Mm-hmm. That includes that that part of masculinity as well. It doesn't have to be this very like non-stereotypical person of, of a man. It, this involves any type of man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like that. Yeah. The, the fifth or sixth, the sixth stage. Yeah. Fifth it? and fourth. Yeah. Fourth and fifth. Yeah. But the last one where we're not there yet, that's the sixth. Yeah. Fifth. Fifth. Yes. Okay. There's five stages. Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I like that just because that's kind of where I've been falling a lot of times lately because I feel like a lot of the race stuff that happens in today's society in 2017, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like so much of it is based on like discrimination and like every sci-fi book and every sci-fi TV show and everything where they, we go about in the future, like it's humanity versus aliens. Yeah. Right. So like, I just want to get to that humanity stage. Like, yeah. can we just all just agree to be humans? Like forget the whole sex thing and like the totally. race thing. Yeah, yeah. It bothers me. So I wish we could get to a point where we can be, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking about ourselves as humans and like being talking about post-genderism and post-racism. Eh, just people are not there yet. You know what I mean? And I get it. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've been, to a point in society where these things have been ingrained to us, ingrained for us for generations and generations and oh, generations. Yeah. So it's, it's going to take generations and generations and generations to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I'm not going to see this in my lifetime. I maybe my nephew might see it in his lifetime and he's like three years old right now. Um, so I, and I don't even know that. So that's to me, that's like, I, I wish we can get there. And you're right. Like sci-fi does play a lot with that. Like, like I think of like the Star Trek universe and that's mm-hmm. like a lot, has plays a lot to do with that. Like just playing to being a, like a post, 
even like a post money society or like yeah. a post economy society. We're just, mm-hmm. you're just, just humans. Like you say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I find like my spouse and I had a conversation the other night, which I thought was kind of interesting. And now I'm going to like do the, the oversharing thing because that's yeah. a safe place. But, uh, but yeah, I said, you know, there are a number of trans people in the city, which is great. Mm-hmm. It is an open city um, in some respects, and we could be a definitely improve. But I just said, you know, it's hard not to fall back into, like you said, all that learned behavior from generations before. 100%. And, and I, I said, you know, the funny thing is, and maybe not funny, but I was like, Every time, like, I see someone, I almost just want to ask them, like, so many questions mm-hmm. that would be personally invasive. But, like, sure. yeah. you know, like, I want to learn more so that I can understand better so that I'm not being an ass. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. I, I want there to be a space for people to ask what people might think are stupid questions. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> I it's funny because one, one of the teachers I worked with um knew that I knew some people who are Aboriginal and I'm big into Aboriginal rights and big into indigenous rights as well. So I, so this guy was like, and he's a, a typical like middle-aged white guy, but he came up to me and was like, I would love to have a conversation with somebody who's indigenous, but allows me to ask me to ask them stupid questions. Like, why do you feel that like you need to get a lot of money from the government? I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a racist question, but at the same time, that question needs to be asked for you to understand. <clears throat> and he's not coming at it in a way of being racist, but he's learned this from many years before. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have the answer then because no one has explained it to him in a very empathetic and compassionate way. I feel that way too. Like I, like when we talk about feminism, I love feminism, but one of the tenets of feminism says that we need to break the patriarchy. Now, it is so hard as a guy to go against the patriarchy because we're so involved into that generational stuff. So we have to applaud guys when they're trying to break out of the patriarchy and to say, <clears throat> I question these things, but I need to do it in a safe way. Like we do that with kids. Like when they're questioning things, we like, yeah, no, that was a silly question, but I'm going to tell you the right answer. Like if a kid goes to you, and says, is it why, you know, why is the sky blue and not green? I'm like, yeah, let's talk about why the sky is blue. <clears throat> and not having to be like, why are you stupid? Of course the sky mm-hmm. is blue. Right. Um, and sometimes like, I know it seems like a very kiddish glove or we have to teach things with kids glove. But at the same time, like trying to break the patriarchy can be a very dangerous thing to do. So we need to applaud people who are trying to break out of those stereotypical and break out of our 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 culture that that has ingrained us for generations and generations. So that's why I say I'm like empathy and compassion to me are like the tenets of what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like we're talking about like kids are, are so, you know, with language and so many things like they pick up things so fast because they're wired for learning Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really amazing. And so I, I, um, I was doing some research for an article a while ago and I read this thing about how I think it was, yeah, it was the Netherlands where they teach sex education as young as four years old. Yeah. And it's like, how amazing is that? Because it's not. Imagine if we did that here. Imagine if we brought that bill here. Imagine the shit storm that would happen if that bill would be introduced. 
Yeah. It's crazy, right? But it's like, but the it's like an open space. So kids can ask a question and it's like you said, like you answer their question and then they go off and they do the next thing. Like, but it's just open and they're learning and it's not like, oh, that's a taboo subject. Let's not talk about it. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you say to a kid, like you can't play with that toy gun, he's got seven toy guns at his friend's house. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. I always, I always uh, found it. And this is uh, a little off topic, but like when you're talking about like sex education, um, I'm always like, you know, like, like teachers sometimes talk about sex education, like, like they don't know that sex is fun. <laughs> so they, <laughs> like, I hope we just came to an understanding that like, if everybody understood that, that sex can be a pleasurable thing to do, then we can start talking about things like consent in a very easy way. We can start talking about things like STI in a non-taboo way. We can start talking about things like um, romantic relationship and how sex affects romantic relationships mm-hmm. in a very open and honest way. If we just kind of, if everyone just accepted the fact that, that sex is fun, like like we can we can be cool with that and then then we can just move on as a society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyways, that's besides the point. <laughs> that's no, I agree. I think uh, I think um, you know, con- <laughs> consent is one of those things where it seems like it really is not that difficult a thing for people to understand, and yet there's so there's such an undercurrent in our society of no can mean yes sometimes mm-hmm. that that people think you know oh well there's some you know there's some wiggle room in this no that you know maybe uh that maybe there actually is consent it's just unspoken and it's like no what what you really under need to understand is that if you tell a joke and nobody laughs it wasn't funny yeah you know they didn't consent they didn't they didn't agree with you that that was a funny joke and this is not a pleasurable experience with them and now you're doing that same thing to their body in an invasive way and if, they, if they're not giving you consent, it's a pretty simple, you know, cut and dry thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it's and I yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's such a weird like little gray area that people have to like like dance around. And once they're just you know, because when you start talking to kids about consent, and then all of a sudden you get the question, it was like, oh, then obviously you're going to get that question. It's like, oh, well, then how do you do it? They're like, no, 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 no. I don't have, I don't have sex. I only have sex twice. And that was when I had two kids and that was it. (laughs) So it's like, like, okay, let's, let's be real about this for a bit. And then we can start actually having a real conversation about, about sexual education. And I think that's important. important. Not only can it be fun, but it should be fun. And it should be fun for both parties because they're both interested. Right. Exactly. And everybody can agree to that, but I think you're right in that you almost need to teach everybody that younger than we do so that they grow up knowing um that when I when I am to a point where I'm going to engage in this kind of behavior, um I need to find somebody who's actually interested in doing this with me. Yeah. Um and and that it's okay to take my time to find that person and that that person will be out there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's funny too, cause I, I, uh, I was talking to one of the, one of, one of the teachers and he was like, he's like, Oh, he's teaching a grade seven class. And he's like, Oh, do I like, do I teach these kids about like masturbation? And I'm like, yeah, hundred percent teach these kids about masturbation. He's like, well, what happens? Like, like parents are going to like, tell me that I'm, that I'm telling them to masturbate. I'm like, dude, they're grade seven. They they already know how to. They already most of them <laughs> right. are already doing it. <laughs> like right. 
talk to them about it and tell them that like they need to like how to be healthy about these things because once you're real with them they understand and but like i i totally get where the seizure is coming from like because there are some parents that'll be like how how dare you talk to my my son or daughter about this mm-hmm. um so like i get where teachers are, are are stuck in this kind of like weird little gray area because i know there's some of them that just want to they're just like yeah let's freaking be real about this but they're stuck so yeah Anyways, that's education system rants. Off the soapbox. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Montreal Sauce brought to you by TLC. Let's talk about sex, baby. You and me. <laughs> Revolutionary TLC. <laughs> that's right. I should have dedicated to George Michael. Yeah. That was a good one, too. Ah, rest in peace, George Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope you're up in there in heaven. (laughs) People about sex ed. That's awesome. (laughs) Hey, we're back. That's the end of part one with uh, Herman from the Modern Manhood podcast uh, at all and other things. Uh, You can get lots of links to check out his other stuff, his Patreon, all of that fun stuff at uh, montrealsauce.com or of course you can head over to uh, patreon.com slash msauce oh my god I think I might have forgotten that what that actual link is but always you know just just go to just go to montrealsauce.com and click on the links in the show notes and you'll get everywhere you need to go from there uh, and uh, yeah a week from today we will have the part two hitting the feed of our interview Um and then we have a couple more shows in the can, and then we're hoping to uh, get started on some film frown for y'all, uh, which should be lots of fun. And also, I don't normally say y'all, but hey, I'm feeling the spirit. So um, I, I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's good to be back. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.